Hey, beautiful soul fam. Welcome to a brand new episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And I wanted to start with giving you all a little bit of a real life update. For those of you new to the show, I recently moved from Los Angeles to Austin, Texas with my fiance, my cat, Jellybean, and dog, Cookie. It's been a lot of fun but quite the adventure because along with purchasing a home, we've been doing some pretty major renovations. And for me, this is the first time ever embarking in a project of this magnitude. You know, you go through all the steps of, of buying a house and, you know, picking a location and just everything that goes into all the paperwork and everything. There's a lot of steps to it. And then you get the house, you get the keys to the house. And the next thing you know, You've got contractors in there literally tearing it apart, but of course only to be rebuilt. So it's been a lot of fun for Luke and I to be searching around, picking out new tubs and tiles and flooring and paint. And thank goodness I have a partner who has an incredibly brilliant design eye and brain. Uh, My fiance, Luke, some of you might actually listen to his podcast, The Lifestylist, but before he launched that brand, he was a celebrity stylist, a fashion stylist. So he really has a keen eye for design, which makes it all the more fun. So our vision for our home is to create a beautiful healing sanctuary. And I cannot wait for it to officially come together and really get grounded in there and start a new life. Another little random update for me personally is I've been hitting the gym. And some of you might be like, well, what is the big deal there? Well, for me, it's a huge deal. I actually haven't gotten into my background with athletics in any of the episodes yet, but essentially in a nutshell, I was a very hardcore and elite distance runner. I actually ran my first road race before I was even three years old, won a couple of national championships in track scholarship to run at the University of Alabama, the whole thing. I was actually even a division one college coach for many years, believe it or not. But because of the intensity for so many years, uh, once I got done with my collegiate athletic career, I just had to take a break. I had had knee surgery, a femoral stress fracture. My body had just been pushed to the max for so long. And, you know, with getting started that young and my dad being my coach for most of my young upbringing, I wouldn't change a thing about it, but when you start running before the age of three, it's not necessarily your choice. So what I encountered was just an extreme resistance to any sort of pushing of my physical body, and I just needed to let it rest and recoup and recalibrate. And I just didn't know that it would be so many years. And when I say years, I'm not exaggerating. I'm talking... I had not walked into a gym for probably, I have to do some math here. Oh my gosh, at least over a decade. I'm not kidding. And so it has been really, really powerful and beautiful for me to witness after so long, a genuine desire, a genuine inspiration for me to go into a gym again. My muscles are definitely thanking me. And yeah, I just want to express my gratitude for this miracle to Great Spirit and any other spirit guides who have helped me get to this place of readiness for me to decide how I want to move my physical body again. Very liberating. 
So yeah, those are the real life updates. I've been tending to both temples, both our new home and my body, my physical temple for restructuring and coming alive again. All right, on to the episode. This one is a fun one today, Soul Fam. We're about to open up the Akashic Records with my friend, Daniela Gill. Now, of course, she's going to dive into what the Akashic Records are and how any one of you listening can do it as long as you do this one vital thing before accessing them. Daniela shares really openly about her personal voyages through darkness. She dealt with addictions, eating disorders, relationship issues, financial hardships, and she shares the one thing that ascended and awakened her from all of that. Now, for any of you out there who have a tendency to harshly judge yourself and or others, I'm very excited for you to listen to the one trick that Daniela shares from her personal experience that may change all of that for you. And lastly, I have been really loving this feature I've been doing. It's Ask the Ceremony Circle Guest. And as long as you follow me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles, you'll see me there from time to time asking you if you want to submit any questions to my guests. And so far, you all have sent in the most thoughtful and beautiful ones. So today, Daniela will open up the Akashic Records and she will answer quite a few of my own questions. And then at Catalina Del Puerto, at Press Rain, at Just Be Inspired, at Healthy With Im, and at My Luminous Tribe, I want to thank all of you for being a part of today's show. Your questions were selected, so you'll be hearing your very own voice in today's episode. And of course, we close every Ceremony Circle episode with an incredible ceremonial offering. So Daniela brings us an incredible divine invitation. All right, it is going to be good times all around. So here we go. Oh, hi, sister. Hey. Oh my gosh. I have been really looking forward to this episode. Yeah. Number one, to just see your face, hug you and reconnect. And number two, I've got a lot of questions that I want you to tune into. So thank you for joining me. Mm, thank you for having me. Yeah. And I, as we were just holding hands for a moment and, you know, just getting in our bodies and dropping in before we officially started, I was having all these like flash visions. I was being like traveled around to like the trajectory of our relationship and I got flashed back to the first time we met when I was staying at Sahara Rose's house. It was when I was living in New York and being bi-coastal and I would stay at her and Steven's place a lot. And I happened to be doing that that day when you, she was like, oh, I've got this really cool Akashic reader girl coming over. So if you just want to like hang out in the living room, you know, while we do the interview, that's fine. And there was something, I was intrigued because is many years I've been on the path, the Akashic Records was still, it felt a bit foreign. So I was like, oh, let me, mm. let me sit in on this episode. And in you walked and I just always appreciated your radiance. And I can just tell that you're such a pure light. Mm. Yeah. I really appreciated meeting you because I remember as I was recording the podcast with you, experiencing you as such a like a solid and clear pillar. Like you really supported and elevated the experience. And I was like, wow, it felt like you were just channeling these high frequency energies in support of our channeling. And that was really amazing for me to experience. Mm, thank you. Yeah, you've always seen me uh, very clearly as I have you. And, and then we saw each other again in Hawaii for Sahara's wedding. Yeah. 
Yes. And that was a fun celebratory time. And then you provided a reading for me, which was so epic. And then we've shared space, sacred space and a teepee out in the sacred desert lands <laughs> together. And now here we sit at, at my house. And so I just, I don't know, those visions that they were coming in, just kind of these little confetti pops taking me around to the moments that we've shared together. It just uh, brought a lot of joy to my heart. So for those listening who, like myself, you know, when they hear this Akashic Records, you know, it's it's this big name in layman's terms, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but I want to be really clear for, for people listening. What are the Akashic Records? I feel like it's the subtle energetic imprint of everything that has ever happened, everything that is happening, and everything that could happen. Mm-hmm. So the Bible referred to the Akashic Records as the Book of Life, and you can think of them as the cosmic mind, or they've also been called the Eye of God. And I simply experienced the Akashic Records as coming into this elevated, expanded state of consciousness that transcends aspects of my human mind and all of its beliefs and expectations, projections, memories, everything that limits our sight and has us view through a limited way. Mm. It's like expanding beyond that. We I see. Touch upon a higher perspective. And that's how I experience the Akashic Records. Although ultimately I feel they are incomprehensible to the human mind because they're the totality of infinity and eternity. Uh, yeah, of all that is. Yes, exactly. I know I put here, I didn't really know that Akasha is a Sanskrit word meaning sky, space, ether. And then is it true that there are like personal and planetary Akashic records or like everything's in them? But I guess when you go up to do readings, you can tune into, you know, answers in this grandest library for planetary and just humanity purposes and then also for individual purposes, right? Of course, has everything in it. Okay. And so when was your first experience? How did your soul guide you to all of this? So I went to a retreat and one of the facilitators offered a complimentary Akashic Record reading afterwards to redeem at any time. And I didn't know what the Akashic Records were. It sounded silly, like something ancestral or something that didn't quite interest me, maybe something about my past lives. So it initially didn't, it was not an instant resonant thing. Not at all. I actually kind of like that. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. An Akashic record reading, like, no thanks. But I I ended up feeling such a resonance with her during the retreat. So one day I was having challenges with making a decision I decided to book the session with her and ask, and she brought through the strangest information. And I just dismissed the whole experience as a flop. I was like, I have no idea where that came from. I don't know what she was talking about. And it all came true in like a symbolic way. Mm. Maybe like six months later, like everything that she said started to make sense. I was like, whoa. So I immediately ordered a book off Amazon from Linda Howe on how to access the Akashic Records. And around the middle of the book, she presents you with a prayer and the prayer helps you open up the Akashic Records. And I immediately call my mom and I was like, can I try this prayer out with you and open up your Akashic Records? And I'd always been incredibly intuitive and very psychic in many ways. But when I said this prayer, I felt like 
like when I connected with the Akashic Records intentionally this first time, I just felt this incredible influx of this divine ecstatic love energy. Like I don't even know how to describe it. And it felt like every cell of my being was like vibrating with this frequency. And the clarity with which I saw my mother, I had never seen anybody so clearly. I saw so much from her childhood, how like a lot of her childhood wounding. I saw some resentment between us that I wasn't even consciously aware of. Oh. And immediately I saw what, like why it was there, what caused it, and how some of her behaviors I was still holding in my fear, like upset about. But then I saw why she was that way. And there was just this instantaneous forgiveness. And it was like this profound heart opening. And it was just this really incredible experience that was completely unexpected. Well, that's life-changing. Yeah. So I was like, what is this? This is my dharma. And what was your mom's reaction as you are, were you relaying in real time some of the things that you were picking up on and what was her response? I was, and I think I held back quite a bit. Sure. Yeah, that's understandable. You know, it's your first official reading for someone and you're seeing a lot of unexpected things. And yeah, I think it takes a little bit of time to calibrate and find your way and discerning, you know, how to convey some of the things that you're seeing or hearing or feeling. Well, yeah, but what did she say? I think she was incredibly impressed and like taken aback and surprised. And I remember that some things came through about her father and spirit. So that was my first mediumship reading. And I think she cried. It was pretty profound for us both. Mm. And had you met her father in human form? I had. You had, and he presented in spirit form. Yes. To relay some communications to you ladies. Yes. It was, and it was so super clear. It was, it was as if I was in a medicine ceremony. Mm. It was just all so clear. Wow. And so where did you go from there when you, it was, this was over the phone? that you did this reading? Yeah. Okay. So you hang up the phone and what are you now feeling or thinking? Are are you now right away thinking, I want to do more of these? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Who Who else will take a reading from me? Well, I started, I guess I started Googling Akashic Records maybe. And the Facebook algorithm showed me a training that was in LA. So it was maybe like a 30 minute drive and it was happening in like two weeks or something. Wow. And it was just a simple one day training. So I signed up and I actually had, when we started opening up the records during the training, I had trouble paying attention during the training because I was already mm. downloading what felt like my own training. Mm. Like it was so clear in that moment. Oh, this is my destiny. I'm here to teach people how to access the Akashic records. I can feel that like, coursing, surging through my body. That's the divine tingles, I call it, when great spirit is affirming deep truth. It's always this very specific surge and um, got it right when you were saying that when you had that realization, oh, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is my calling and what I'm to share with the world. Wow. And so I really, there's so much I want to cover with you, but I feel like I want to get right into a piece that I think will be really helpful to listeners. And that piece is, were you doing other work at this time? And how hard or easy was it for you to transition fully into owning, I am a spiritual teacher, Akashic Records reader as my full-time career? So it was 
pretty easy because at the time I was facilitating breath work and I was also teaching yoga. So you're in the world already. Yes. Okay. And what were you doing before you started doing spiritual work? Like, did you transition from a job that and people would be like, you did that? You know, did, was there a surprising previous industry that you were in or anything? Not quite. I did try to get a job at a research institution twice and I quit within two months, both times. Both times your soul's like, this ain't it. Like the nine to five, no. And then I just nannied because I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> way did, more fun. Did that and then you got into the breathwork yoga and then the Akashic Records was just like clearly your jam. Yes. Okay. And so how did you then start to build your clientele? Because, you know, for me as a shaman, I think a lot of people assume that most or all healers do all this like one-on-one work, you know? And for me, as you know, with my shamanism, it's never been that way for me. When I can tell I'm called to facilitate a session for someone and empower, support, help unlock, I will answer that call and I will do it, but I've never advertised a one-on-one and my work is a lot, you know, big groups, big transmissions, a lot through media. How long did it take you to figure out the navigations? It's like, okay, I have this gift. I can tell I'm now aligned with my calling. Did you know right away though what to do with it? Was it clear to you from the beginning that I'm supposed to be a one-on-one reader or I'm supposed to do global retreats? How did you figure out how this was supposed to work? Well, I knew in the moment that I wanted to practice as much as possible and share this with as many people as possible. So I started off I think on social media, I just offered free readings Mm -hmm. and I was doing 15 minute readings for everybody. And then I set a price on it and just had a really full schedule really quickly because I was so talented at it. And then over time, I stopped working so much one-on-one with the public and started working more with groups and started working specifically with spiritual teachers on them accessing the Akashic Records. And why did that particular niche start to appear, do you think, you know, specifically helping to empower fellow spiritual teachers? Because I think their capacity to reach these really high spaces and these non-dual perspectives and then communicate them in a way that can make sense to the human mind was quite effortless. Like I felt like they could meet me there and I could really bring them really high. And it also, in some ways... Yeah, many of them had a lot of influence too. So it was a way to like get the Akashic Records out there, like really reaching the masses. That makes a lot of sense. And that took me, when you were describing that, it took me back to the reading that you gave me. And I remember at some point, you know, I think I said to you, because yeah, you are so talented at this. And and I said, how do I, you know, how can I, you know, connect with the records? And you didn't really need to ask or, or take too much time. And you said, you you actually already do. Like when you are going up and going where you go, I think you're already there, you know, or something like that. I don't know if you recall that, but that was surprising to me because I'm very aware of, you know, my ability to go a lot of places in many different unseen realms, but I had just never known that, oh, when I go to this place, like those are actually the records. I never really knew that. So it's very fascinating to me. I loved it so much. Yeah, I feel like that's an experience that a lot of people are having where they're not recognizing how tuned in they actually are to the records and how they have direct and 
very clear access to like this infinite field of knowing and playing around with reality and it's just such an incredible practice and tool. And so anyone, if they're feeling called to do this, and of course, when it's entered into with reverence and respect and things like that, anyone can have the ability to connect to the records, correct? Absolutely. I feel like the only prerequisites are to have pure intentions and also the capacity to come into a receptive, more meditative and trusting state of consciousness. Okay, that makes sense. And so what would you recommend uh, for people that are interested in this? What's a first step that they can take? Is it, you know, genuinely going to your website and seeing what trainings you're offering? Or how does someone begin so that they can ensure they are embarking from that pure, purely intended place? Mm. I feel like that would be so different for everybody. And my suggestion would be to tune in, like to tune into your heart, to tune into your intuition and ask, what is my next step? Is it to cultivate like a deeper meditative practice? Is it to seek out a training? Is it to just simply begin practicing? Mm -hmm. Did you have a spiritual awakening at any point in your life that it was just like all of a sudden your, your life changed? Or did you just kind of incarnate this you know, illuminated being that just continued on the quest to expand in your illumination? I think I had a few awakenings. I had a major one when I was 17. What happened? I meditated for the first time ever and I had a huge psychic opening. Yeah, huge psychic opening. It was spontaneous. It was immediate. I remember the next day I went to school and I had, I was taking computer class. I was a senior in high school. My teacher was challenging. She was like not kind. She was irritable. She was just angry. And I just didn't like her. And that day I was like, oh, she's like this because of these challenges with her husband and because this and that. And I saw in my mind everything that had happened with her husband that morning. So after class, I went to talk to her and she like cried, but at the same time was kind of closed and was like, what's going on? This is weird. And I was like, whoa, I'm like developing these psychic gifts. This is so cool. And I told I, at the time, I had had some challenges with depression and anxiety, so I had been talking to a therapist. And I told the therapist, which told my psychiatrist, and I was actually put on pharmaceutical drugs. And I didn't want to take them. I was like, no way. Like, I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. I don't need them. Like, I'm suddenly like in this like bliss unlike anything I've ever experienced. I'm seeing people so clearly. My heart is so full of love and compassion, unlike anything I've ever known. Like, no way. And they were like, we promise this will not impact you. Like if you don't need it, then it won't change anything for you. It cannot hurt you, but you have to take these. And I, I was 17 and I just trusted and I took them and that really spiraled me into some dark places until I finally got off of them. And why do you think, and if you don't have any clarity on this, you certainly don't have to answer, but what is your take on you being spiraled like that? Was that your soul trying to get your attention and, and course correct you again and saying, you know, trying to say in an emphatic way, you know, these, you were correct. These medications are, are not what we need or what was going on there? You know, I've never asked myself that. So I'm not even. Yeah. Tune in. If nothing comes up, no worries. In those years, I really got to know the darkness. And for the majority of my life leading up to there, I had been very compassionate. And I had like this innate understanding of the oneness. 
And during that time, I started using Oxycontin. Mm-hmm. And I got addicted to Oxycontin, started taking Xanax. It was prescribed to me, started taking Adderall, completely cut me off from my compassion. I was drinking, doing cocaine. And I feel like I really explored the darkness and got to understand it so that I could then hold it with more compassion and grace and no judgment or fear. Because it's like, oh, I've been there. Oh, I understand that. I know how you could get there. <laughs> Yeah, that's really beautiful. I'm so glad you shared that because I think that is, it's a big part of my journey. I guess I will only speak for myself because I was going to say for a lot of spiritual teachers, but I will just speak for me having gone through the tumultuous previous uh, relationship that I was in that was the instrument for my awakening and the divine intervention that came with that and the many infinite realizations I've had in the years since and continue actually to have them at times. And it was a very dark time for me and it spanned almost two decades. And, you know, that person struggled and I'm not sure if they still are with various addiction issues. And I played my own codependent role and rescuer role and all of the things that I have taken responsibility for on my end of the, of the street. But you know, addictions can have some real heavy darkness to them, especially for me, like sex addiction just had an energy to it. When I finally had my awakening and realized what was going on, that one for me was some real heavy stuff and scary stuff to even begin to look at. It took me a very long, gradual time to be able to peer at that particular gremlin, shall we say. And you know, I've really, I mean, I have compassion for people in so many different ways, but especially when it comes to uh, having a hard time getting out of abusive, toxic, dysfunctional, romantic relationships. And, you know, because I, I, I think if you put it on paper, it's like I'm one of those people that uh, you wouldn't guess would be roped into that cycle for almost 20 years. But sure enough, you know, it it happened to me and and i know that one of the reasons there's so many different reasons why i in a soul contract way agreed to that karmic relationship but it's for me to be able to hold space and empower others who are trying to escape that cycle because it can be very challenging oh yeah yeah and it's like when we've personally moved through that healing i feel like we embody the knowing around how to move out of that and we can guide people in a more integratable way. Mm-hmm. Have relationships been a big teacher for you as well? Major. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. What's one little um, experience, if you feel open to sharing, you know, any any sort of teaching that you gained from, from being in relationship with another person? Well, I would say my biggest spiritual awakening, which happened many years after that first one, was catalyzed by heartbreak. Mm. And it was this heart-wrenching heartache where I like just felt like I needed him. Like I could not live without him. And it was such an intense and agonizing despair. And eventually it just led me straight to God. Mm. There was like nowhere else to go. Right. That feels very similar to mine. Because <laughs> on my divine intervention awakening day, that was my also my surrender day where I put my mm. hands up to great spirit and great mother and finally let go, you know, finally. It was through 
the heartbreak as well. Such potent medicine, right? Oh, yes. So transformative. And what are your thoughts on, you know, I think there are different terms for this. I, I know it is shaman sickness. Some people might call it soul sickness. Basically, what happens, what can happen within someone's own physical body or being when they are so far off the course and purpose for why they incarnated. You know, if they're working in an industry that is just not utilizing their real gifts at all or in these relationships that have definitely run their course, but they're struggling to get out. But in so many ways, you know, their soul starts to kind of kick and scream to get their attention to say, you know, you need to wake up. We've got some work to do or you're not on the track that you agreed to be on. What are your thoughts on all of that? Oftentimes when I'm in the Akashic Records, I see how nothing really exists except for alignment. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're always right on course. And oftentimes like the way that I've seen it is like a bow and arrow, like the further you pull back, the further you go into like just what you might call out of alignment or like off track, the more painful it becomes and the more quickly you can be catalyzed, you can be thrown into where you're actually wanting to be or like a trampoline, the further down you go, the further high you shoot up. That is a really beautiful way of explaining it. That's exactly how I've seen it work in my life and the lives of others and maybe even yours. Yes. So what was another experience for you in your life where you had to just dig down so deep, like the lesson or teaching was was so big that it then you became the phoenix rising or you had to transcend in a really big way? I would say as I was becoming more conscious, perhaps like the years 2014, 2015, 2016, it became so agonizing to actually see myself. I had been struggling with an eating disorder for years. So I had a habit of binge eating, sometimes to the point where I was so full I couldn't breathe. And then I would just throw up Mm. and completely destroyed my digestive system. I'd had that habit since I was about 14. So it turned into an autoimmune disease. I had Hashimoto. So physically I wasn't doing so well. I had been perpetually broke for years. I could not like, I just could not sustain myself financially. I felt like there was like so much potential within me, but yet I was just engaging in these patterns that were completely sabotaging me. Mm. And I felt like I could not stop. And just like looking at my life was like, this is all wrong. Like every, nothing about this feels, feels right. I was like in a really unsatisfying relationship as well. Just overall, like had all these visions and dreams and like all this positive intention and was like perpetually working with affirmations and trying so hard in so many ways, yet just nothing felt right at that time. So how did you begin to make the shifts? I tried out so many different things, like Vipassana meditations. I did two of those. The, and for those listening, it's when you're in silence. You can't speak to anyone for how many days is it? It's like 10 and a half days. You're meditating 11 hours a day. You don't even look anyone in the eyes for that entire time. You're completely alone in your own space meditating. It's really transformative. I also started drinking ayahuasca. I started doing breath work, did tons of yoga, all sorts of like detoxing, 
fasting. I did a two-week water fast. I just tried everything and I feel like everything helped a little bit. But what really helped me bring my life together was the Akashic Records. Mm. I'm doing Akashic Record readings for myself. Like before then, I was like going to Reiki practitioners and intuitives and healers of all types and they helped, but it did not catalyze the like grounded type of transformation and the lasting transformation that me personally accessing higher perspective on my own behalf yes. did for me. Yeah. So there's something else in this orb that I can feel that we need to to go a little bit deeper with because it's very similar for me. So when the veil lifted for me and I surrendered, I was devoted to heeding the calls that came in. I said, okay, I clearly don't know what the hell I'm doing. Show me the way and show me the way great spirit and great mother did. So, oh my gosh, you name it. Every kind of healing practitioner under the sun. I wasn't forcing things. Like I would be in some sort of way messaged, you know, from divine, like you now need to go here now for the next iteration of what your soul needs for this little nugget in the left lower uh, clavicle <laughs> of your soul. Like now you need to go to this person. Now you need to go to the leech therapist. Now you need to go, you know, and so, and so I followed the divine connect the dots as I call them. And in every practice, every modality did the little crank of the wheel and the little squeegee and wax on, wax off that was needed. But I believe that those were all like little dominoes taking me to preparedness of my soul readiness to activate full-on shamanic mission realization time. And then when that big old light bulb came on inside of my entire being. And I had that realization that for me, like you just described, that was the full drop-in moment of, oh, like the real full on realization of the whole thing was when I aligned with my calling. So it's fascinating to, for me to hear you as well. It's very similar path. It's like, you know, did two or three week water cleanse and all of these things it, that were leading you, guiding you to connecting with the Akashic records. And then when you did, that was the boom, big landing. Isn't that that's so beautiful, right? Yeah. So I think for those listening, you know, if you're on the path, just keep trusting, right? And, and as I'm sharing, if you want to think of any, any tip or two for those who have maybe had their own surrender moments and have already opened the door to the divine path and are, you know, whether they're two steps in or 25 steps in, steps in, like they're, they're walking it. Right. You know, mm -hmm. but sometimes you might question like, am I crazy or should I really keep going in this direction? Um, it becomes kind of impossible to turn back at a certain point. And I highly recommend just always, always going forward because the miracles just get grander and grander and grander. But, you know, just hearing from both Daniela and I, you know, we were guided to all of these different modalities and practices. And then boom, you know, we didn't necessarily see it coming, but then we aligned with our calling. Yeah. And it feels like everything that occurs leading up to aligning with your calling is also a prerequisite to aligning with your calling. So it's like we can never actually be led astray. We can never be out of alignment with, with our souls, even if, you know, my experience was like partying, drinking seven days a week, addicted to opiates and Xanax and like having explosive fights with my boyfriend. Yeah. 
I know it's so wild because as many times as like we've had these really beautiful connections, I, I didn't know some of these stories. And I'm so glad that you're so honestly sharing because I think through just vulnerability and honesty, there's such big medicine. And in shamanism, a lot of medicine is taught through storytelling. So thank you for bringing up those just real earthly human experiences that you've had because you have covered a lot of bases, you know, the eating disorders, the substances, the tough relationships. Those are a lot of categories that I'm sure people listening to right now can relate to. And, you know, if that sparks a, a greater flame of hope in them to keep going, I, I hope it does because, isn't it fascinating to flash back and reflect on our previous versions of ourselves? Yeah. I mean, when I think back to the Allison that I was in high school and college, um, you know, and I mean, even five, six, seven years ago, you know, I'm just, because I'm so devoted and dedicated to the evolutionary path, I I really get a kick out of reflecting on <laughs> who I was before. It's like, I don't even, I mean, of course I know her and I love her, but it's like, I don't even know who, who that person is anymore. I'm so different. Like so many deaths and rebirths. Oh my gosh. So, so many. So before I go too far beyond this, I'm curious, what was that water fast like? I've never done that. And that's a pretty long time to do it. What did that show you or teach you? It was amazing. It felt like a 14-day ayahuasca ceremony. It was profound. I saw myself really clearly. I was faced with a lot of my shadows. I felt like I left that experience infinitely more confident mm. and more grounded and rooted in my heart. I feel like I cleared a lot of bad habits, but I don't even know how. I was just at a center. I was in Costa Rica, water fasting, and then I left a different person. Wow. And it really helped me in like my relational dynamics. I remember I flew from Costa Rica to LA and went to stay with my last boyfriend. We had broken up maybe seven months before. And my dynamic with him was radically different. And I had so much more patience, a lot more compassion. And it healed a lot. It also was pretty hard on my thyroid. Yeah, it seems so. No food at all. Just water. Wow. Like no salt. For how many nothing. days? For 14. And I had actually signed up for 21. The facilitator recommended that I do 21. And on day 14, maybe on day 13, I demanded that I was going to eat like the next day. And we actually had a bit of a fight over it. But I was like, no, I need to eat. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's a long time. It was. <laughs> you know, but I, I'm sure like the center that you went to, there are obviously people whose that is their calling to yes. share this way and, and to teach this and to facilitate it in a safe way. But wow, yeah, three weeks with not eating a bite. But you know, there's there are people out there in the world that are breathtarians or breatharians yeah. that say they only live and are sustained by simply breathing, right? So I guess if that's possible, then doing your two weeks of water only is possible. Yeah. Have you ever met a breatharian? I haven't. I haven't either, but I've heard they exist. It's kind of like unicorns. I mean, I know unicorns exist, but. I imagine they do because every once in a while I do meet somebody who lives slightly outside of like 
the normal human laws. And I'm like, whoa, this is real. Yeah. Not think so, but now it's like right in front of me. Totally. And so you have, in the course of our chat so far, you've shared that you have worked with grandmother medicine, ayahuasca. And I know that you and I have shared sacred space and a teepee working with grandfather medicine. So I know that you have uh, been called by different plant spirits and and herbs and, and this water cleanse and things like that. But I also know that you and I share a very similar or same belief that all the gifts and all the divine connections and all the power resides within us. Mm-hmm. So can you just elaborate in your way of sharing a bit more about that? She's tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> so it all resides within us and it feels like a really important skill to learn to be able to source it all from within, to know that we always have connection to divine channel, to divine power, to divine healing, and we can channel that directly through us. And everything that exists is an extension of us. So when we work with plant medicines, when we work with even just herbs like to support the healing of our physical body, it's another really magical way to bring forth healing, to bring forth insight. It's like we can receive it from everywhere. And I feel like the balance is receiving it externally and trusting it. And then also knowing that we can source that anytime ourselves. Yeah, I love that. And let's go a little bit more with this because, you know, as so many people every millisecond now are are having their own forms of spiritual awakenings and their souls really starting to be in louder, clearer communication with them. You know, I think some of these pathways and and certain types of ceremonies uh, can be enticing for some people. And I will just share that for me in my own shamanic path, I had come to the very loud and clear realization of my truth as a shaman and had been walking uh, on the path for many, many years before any plant medicine called to me at all. And in fact, I didn't know that they ever would. And I was fine with that to the point where actually I had to do some work around that piece because I grew to actually like being known as the shaman who had never done plant medicine. <laughs> so then I, I, then I started to like that identity, you know, and the funny thing is I was in a sacred hape ceremony one evening and I did not know that once that ceremony would, was done, that it would then be transitioning to grandmother Aya ceremony. I did not know this piece of information. Whoa! So that was how I, and it's so interesting, every single plant medicine calling experience that I have had, the plant spirit has literally like, in a very loving way, like plopped me, pushed me into, now we are doing this. And like, it has not been those situations where like, you know, because a lot of times there are certain protocols, dietas, things that you're supposed to do to prepare your physical vessel and, and all of these things. And um, with both grandmother, grandfather medicine, different experiences, it, I've had some, and I will share in some other episodes, uh, maybe in some solo casts, a bit more in depth for everyone listening, what those experiences were like for me and, and how they came about. But yeah, I was literally just like plopped into it. 
And I had to speak with the shaman and um, pull, you know, pull her aside and just say, you know, I really need to come to this decision on my own. I was unaware of the transition taking place. And I have actually never been called uh, to work with plant medicine. So this, you know, would be my first time. And I had to really sit with that piece that I just shared about like, if you do this, you will no longer be that shaman that's never done a plant (laughs) medicine. Are you cool with that? You know, and it's just so funny what comes up. But yeah, you know, I just, I wanted to share that because I had really, of course, I am on the pathway of like, let's keep on expanding and doing what all that needs to be done. Like I'm on that game plan. So of course my gifts have exponentially expanded on an ongoing basis. But at that point, for the most part, all of the main gifts that I have had already been turned on. My ability to travel to the other realms and speak to the other guides and and do my shamanic work had already been fully turned on without the aid of any plant medicines. Mm. So I just, I know that that's an important part of my teachings as well, is to just be a voice of that reminder for people that you don't need to go to any external sources to align with your calling, to turn on your full divine light and power, to access your spiritual gifts. It's all, it's all inside of you. Absolutely. But of course, you know, in these ceremony experiences, because we basically sat next to each other in the teepee those couple nights, you know, it's beautiful to just get to know the spirits, the sacred reverence of these plants and of these teachers and, you know, do a different kind of dance, a communal beautiful relational dance with that spirit, with those that you're also sharing ceremonial space with. So I also, there's of course beauty in in that as well, you know, and and there's different teachings and expansions that come with those experiences too. Yeah. Has that been the same for you? Yeah. What's one ceremony that you, that you feel uh, cool with sharing that was really transformational for you and, and why so? My first ayahuasca ceremony, I had no interest in consuming any sort of entheogen, but I was in Sedona and (laughs) it just came through clear as day. I was like on a hike and the spirit of ayahuasca just like moved through me. And she was like, you are going to sit with me. Like it was almost like she was claiming me Mm. and just the message came through so clear. It was on a hike one afternoon and then I went for a walk in town. And this woman invited me to an ayahuasca ceremony that night. I was like, whoa, I have to say yes. So I went and the ceremony was a chaotic mess. It was about maybe like 20 people and one shaman. There were people that, well, it was, it was like a really young crowd. It was really intense. To give you an idea of what it was like, there were people fighting like yelling like, fuck you, bitch, like during the ceremony at each other. And it was... I'm sorry, my eyes are literally (laughs) bugging out of my head. I What? Yes. Like someone was like, shut the fuck up to someone singing like beautiful, divine. Yeah. It was a mess. It was a mess. And it was one shaman holding space for 20 people. Mm -hmm. A lot of judgment came up for me. I was like, wow. Vipassana, I remember thinking to myself, Vipassana should be a prerequisite to ayahuasca so that people can actually sit with this discomfort instead of like acting it out and disrupting everyone else. 
I was judging the group as immature. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like sitting with a bunch of like silly hippies. Like this is absurd. Like they're yelling, they're fighting. We're in like a sacred ceremony. The shaman has no idea what he's doing. All of these judgments came up. And I remember I went up for a second cup and then I asked, he didn't offer a third cup, but I went up for a third cup and then I asked for like a fourth and he gave me a tiny bit more and he was like, you're done. I just kept wanting more and more. Like I felt like ayahuasca was telling me to drink more and more. And so I drank a considerable amount for my first time. And all of a sudden I just felt like this slap in the (laughs) face type of energy. And she showed me how erroneous all of my judgments were. Mm, Let's please share more. She showed me how everything that I felt like I was in a battlefield of people throwing their demons at each other. She showed me how it was the exact medicine that I needed. It was exactly what was going to strengthen and empower me as a spiritual practitioner. Years later, this became very true as I started working like for a bit, I was doing like exorcisms and like all sorts of stuff. And that experience really did prepare me. So she showed me that. She showed me how my judgments actually close my heart and do not allow me to create a certain level of intimacy and rapport and non-judgment with people that then allows me to support them. I like immediately remove myself out of fear and create this barrier. And then she showed me how I had been judging that the shaman had no idea what he was doing, yet I saw, I met in that moment, the shaman's higher self and how the shaman's higher self knew exactly what he was doing. And he was delivering the exact experience that every single person in the group needed. Mm -hmm. And everybody needed to play out their demons. It was like this massive purge, like people yelling and cursing at one Mm. another. It was like infathomable to my human mind to experience (laughs) that in my first ever ayahuasca ceremony. I'm trying to picture this. It was like, I was like, this is traumatic. Like what an incompetent shaman. But as soon as ayahuasca like came through me, I was like, whoa, saw she dismantled all of my judgments. And I just remember like energetically, like bowing down, like, I'm so sorry for judging you. And then I experienced a complete and total ego death mm. where I became the entirety of existence. And for some period of time, I was the entire group. So everything that I had been judging, I actually was. I was all of it, like completely and entirely. So then I had to pretty much own and take responsibility for everything that I had previously been judging and trying to create distance from. So it's pretty amazing. (laughs) That is a share. And so after you left that, because as we know, integration is so important, did you have to work to implement the realizations, especially that one particular teaching? I think the judgment piece is such an important one to talk about for us to look at. It's one that I continue to grow in. Did you see immediate changes in yourself in just being in the grocery or interacting with people? Or did you have to kind of remember and remind yourself of the teachings? Like, did you still see judgment coming up and you would say to yourself, remember what you learned in the ceremony? Or did you just instantly, was there a shift in your being? I feel like judgment absolutely continued to come up, but I could never take it seriously. Can you elaborate a little bit when you say you couldn't take it seriously? I used to believe my judgments. So I used to have a thought of like, that shaman's incompetent and then believe that was true. Right. And now it's like, I could still have the judgment that shaman's incompetent, but then I, but I know there's another story and I know that everything is happening in divine perfection because I've seen it with my own eyes because that experience was so profound and so real for me. So it's like, 
I was still having the judgments, but there was something else existing, another perspective existing at the same time that I was aware of and validating as equally as true. I love that. That is, I think that feels somehow like the heart of this episode. That is that, that teaching for some reason, that share. So thank you for that. And is there any ceremonial ritual retreat, anything that you've guided that you have facilitated that's just really memorable for you for any reason? It was outlandishly funny or um, wildly alchemizing in some way or just any sort of cool memory of uh, a gathering that you facilitated. Hmm. Well, what came to mind was I was leading, I used to facilitate breath work. So I was leading a breathwork ceremony and I totally would lead it as a ceremony. And there were three rounds. And during the first round, a lot of people were crying. And during the second round, someone started laughing and the entire room just burst out into like hysterical laughter. Like I don't think a single person did not cry from laughing. And it was like a group with like 55 people in the room. So good. So that was so fun. It was like this really incredible ecstatic release. Oh my God. Laughter really is the best medicine. Yeah. So 50 people. I've heard my fiance, Luke, who you know, the last Dr. Joe Dispenza advanced retreat that he went to, there was a similar experience within that. He got back because they're like all day experiences for seven days. And, And one night when he called to check in. I was like, how, how was it today? What'd you guys do today? And he's just like, oh my God. And he was sharing (laughs) something very similarly. I forget how many people, like maybe even like a thousand or whatever, just all hysterically laughing. And we're actually going to his advanced retreat in a couple of weeks. So I get to experience it. I'm very much looking forward to it. So I feel like now would be a great time Mm. to enter into the land of posing some questions for you to ask of the beautiful grand library that is the Akashic Records. Would that be okay with you? Oh, yes. I would love that. Okay. So do you need to do something to get in right space for that? I like to say a prayer. Great. I will get myself situated. Spirit, support me in coming into an elevated, expanded state of consciousness so that I may be one with your perspective. Set aside the totality of my personality. So that I may serve as a clear channel for your divine loving guidance and knowing. Allow me to see our listeners as they are seen in the light of the Akashic Records. Help me to know our listeners as they are known in the mind of spirit. Enable me to share all the communication of our masters, teachers, and loved ones with integrity, clarity, and love. And so it is. The Akashic Records are now open. Mm, So it is. Oh, that's such a beautiful prayer. Mm. So... I would like to start with a few personal questions. Number one being, at the time of us doing this interview, I have not officially launched Ceremony Circle podcast out to the world yet. 
So I am curious for you to check in with the records. Is there a certain date or two dates that would be optimal, you know, sometime in, in January or maybe early February, optimal launch Ceremony Circle podcast out into the world date? Would you launch in December? Well, I would, but the thing is, I have a whole production team, a whole team working on this with me. So there's a lot of pieces for us to get into place. So it's not really possible. But that was the original game plan was December. I said that just because I saw December 22nd. I know it's so soon, but. Well, I mean, it's, you're tuning in very accurately because when I got the download to finally do a podcast and the name came in and all the pieces started to come together. Um, And then I got my production team. The goal starting many, many months ago was I will launch this in December. But now that we're already here in December, there are just uh, still enough pieces that need to get in place that I can't do that. What's um, best option number two, please? They're all, the dates are all very soon. I felt January 5th. January 5th. Okay. And is there another option or two just so I can have some, some backup plans? What I heard was like, people want it now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I want to put it out now too. Hmm. Folks want it now. Yeah. Cause then it's like, okay, another date only gives you like a few more days. It was like January 11th. January 5th, January 11th. Okay. Well, we'll see if one of those two, I checked in with my team uh, today, actually, to see if we can get this thing going. Thank you for that. Um, Let's see. And speaking of Ceremony Circle podcast and the power and the essence of it, does the Akashic Records have any recommendations for me in terms of how I can best get it out to the world? That might be a little bit of a vague question, but just in terms of marketing, promotion, just letting people have an awareness that Ceremony Circle podcast now exists. How can I best do that? Interestingly, I saw that the best marketing for it was the energy that you channel while you are doing these episodes. I just saw like an opening here and all of this energy streaming in through the crown of your head, you and if it's a solo cast, just you or you and the person you're speaking with. And opening up to bring forth, to channel and anchor in more and more of this energy. And that energy is what carries it out. Yeah, Our world is becoming so much more energetic that these, it's almost like it'll care, it'll develop legs of its own and just be spread. That makes sense. And that's honestly what I was sensing too. I, um, but I still wanted to ask you to just see if there were a little bit more tactical, uh, thing that I should be doing, but I could tell that it was mainly going to function that way just because, you know, of how many years it took for the readiness of me to be called to do this. And then for the name to come in that kind of very long germination period. And then when it finally clicked, I, I, I was like, okay, the energy is now ready. The time is now, now. And I was really sensing that the power that I am, the power of everyone that I bring on, it's just going to really be this because it's called Ceremony Circle, you know, and the tagline is you can sit with us. And it's Mm -hmm. just with every episode, we create the world's largest ceremony circle, all of us all around the world that we're all sitting here together right now, 
tuning yeah. in, we're activating the entire planet and universe together, you know, in these ways. Yeah, it's like a medicine that doesn't even necessarily need any specific way of marketing. It'll just be shared. It'll spread. It'll do its own thing. Yeah. Touch everybody that it's meant to touch. I love it. So just a couple more personal questions and then I'll get to, I asked some of my beautiful soul fam, my audience on Instagram, if they had questions for you and we do have some, and I really enjoyed what they brought forward. But for me, I'm curious, as you know, Luke and I have been on a quest to see where we should put roots down and where our main home should be. I can sense that we'll have additional homes in different places, but this home that we want to purchase now is like a roots down home. It's a home that I hope to aim to get get pregnant in and hopefully start a, a beautiful, healthy family in. And I just, I want to feel at home. And uh, do the records show, we're visiting Austin, as you know, and then going to South Florida. Are they showing that uh, either one of those would be ideal? I felt them as possibilities. And then I felt a lot of energy around the Pacific Northwest. Oh, no. <laughs> no. That doesn't mean anything. That was just, yeah. Oh, I can't have Luke hear that. Oh, my gosh. If he was in here, he would be we'd laughing so hard right now. Because honestly, that's where he is so called to go. He's from Northern California, and he loves like different areas. Um, I forget the areas in uh, Oregon and just like places up there. And I literally cannot do cold. I, I cannot do it. Um, I grew up in Indiana and just my being rejects cold so hard. It's so ungodly, uncomfortable for me. So I said to him, I'm very open and, you know, to various places, but I will not do the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> it was like my one hard and fast rule. I mean, it's beautiful up there and he's going to laugh when I tell him. I told him I was going to ask you. I'm going to be like, oh, she said the Pacific Northwest. Oh, that's funny. Okay. I will uh, keep you all posted on what happens there. I don't know that I'm going to be able to shift into that possibility, honestly. I just, I don't know. It could make sense many years from now as a safe sanctuary, depending upon the changes that occur on the planet. It, I just saw Pacific, like the Pacific Northwest as a safe sanctuary. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh my God. So funny. Okay. So I'm very curious. I recently, and I have not shared with my beautiful audience yet, my voyages with this 12th dimensional being that I partner with in many different ways now. It's a newer relationship. I mean, I'm sure it's ancient in a lot of respects, but newer this lifetime. And this being's name is Anahana. And they came to me on a trip when I was in Mexico and it was a whole full on wild activation. I was in motherships and docked on wow. Mars and having these big meetings and um, had this realization after that initial mothership meeting where I got this big transmission and this crystal city in a different dimension and all of this stuff, which I'll share more about in a different episode. But I guess I'm just asking, you know, I had been given the title and I've actually never shared this publicly. You know, I'm very public with the the title shaman. I am instructed to use that and I do. And, but there's this other title I was given many years ago that I've never really shared about publicly. And I just saw this bright divine lights like sparkle so 
like big right there. Yeah. So I'm about to say it out loud, I think for the first time, uh, at least publicly through a media uh, form. And that title is I am intergalactic guardian of the earth. And I was given that many years ago, but then after this connection with Anahana, it just gave it new meaning. So I guess I'm just curious what the records show in terms of how much is that title, Intergalactic Guardian of the Earth, and my partnership with Anahana going to play in my mission moving forward? It feels like the more that you own that title, the more that you awaken these aspects of yourself that are so incredibly powerful and potent and are truly on this grand mission. And it's like, as you embody more of that, your impact increases, your reach increases, your influence increases, and you have the capacity to communicate with the earth. You can really speak on her behalf and then have these like ripple effects towards other people that connects them more with the, both the, like the divine energy that is streaming into the earth, as well as the divine energy of the earth. Makes sense. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. So, okay. I realize I'm being very self-indulgent by asking all these questions about myself. Let me just see of the list will maybe like just one more. There's just, I have so many, I love getting readings with you. And then we'll go into questions that are more for the collective and uh, just overall humanity and our time here on earth. Let's talk about my book, Animal Power. It's going to be out. I've been working my bootay off on that. It has been one of, if not the wildest ride of my career, honestly. It's been such a voyage. And so my book, Animal Power, will be out in the fall of 2021. And then the card deck of the same name, Animal Power, will be out the following spring. So spring of 2022. Wow, that sounds wild. Anything coming up about Animal Power, the book? Will it be a bestseller? Any little juicy visions around this new modern day uh, guidebook into the power animal world? It's hard to say this, like, because, okay, what I saw was almost like, okay, done, like putting it there. And then there's something else that's really wanting to be birthed through you. Mm -hmm. And it's like all of your energy is wanting to be directed towards that. Is it another book? It's a project or a transmission that then leads to another book. And just so I'm clear, is that other thing that's wanting to birth, it's feeling like it can't fully come through and communicate with me yet because I'm still so fully in this animal power project. Yeah. It's almost like there was an energy of like putting it down, coming back home to yourself, almost like forgetting about it and then opening up to what else is wanting to come through because there's more that's wanting to come through. And it's almost like you need to hand this book over to somebody who will take care of all the details so that you don't have to feed it a lot of your energy when it comes to like marketing it and sharing it with the world. It's like that becomes someone else's responsibility so that you can work on the creative and channeling aspect of moving on to the next thing. Cause there's something else that really wants to come through you. You're really having a really radical opening. Yes, I am. It's almost like your soul doesn't want you to linger too long on something that you've already completed. No, that makes total sense. And I appreciate, I, I love the honesty so much. Okay. This is the last one I'm going to ask. And it's a big one actually. So the name Rockstar Shaman, I was assigned this name very, very early on. Like right out of the gate on my shamanic path. And I did a lot of integrity checks around this. The very first thing I did, it, when this name downloaded in, I realized the enormity and the gravity of it. And I thought, oh my God, that's like a very 
That's a bold name. And I went straight into a shamanic journey to call Jesus my main love and light guide forward to mm -hmm. ask, is this an ego thing? Like I did the checks around it and it was emphatic. No, you are here to use this name. And you know, it's just been a wild ride using it, you know, for all of these years because it evokes a lot for people and, you know, but I live by the calls and if I'm called by great spirit to use it, use it, I will. But I realized even more recently that it's like, I personally don't care what you call me. Yeah. I don't care if you know I'm a shaman or not. I don't need, I don't need to be called rock star shaman. It was like the message I was given is it's like the the name is medicine for others. It's not necessarily medicine for me, mm -hmm. but I would just love if you could check in with the records to see why I was assigned this name and the medicine that it does provide. Will it be needed for the rest of my career? Will there be shifts with that? It feels like owning this name opens you up to an archetype, which helps you embrace more of your power. And it is also really inspiring for others, whether they admire you for it or whether they're triggered by it. It's when they are triggered, it's because they're not owning the divinity, the power within them. And so it's triggering to see the reflection of somebody else who is. So it's been helpful for you to like embody this name because it shifts people's perspectives of you which then shifts how you are able to show up in their presence. And it also helps you bring forth that archetype, which has helped you bring forth more of your power. But from like now on moving forward, it feels like you just have so many different names. Like the intergalactic guardian of the earth. Like you're also that. And it's, it's yeah, there's so much happening there. There is. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. All right. So I will cease on my personal questions and let's go to some listeners. The beautiful being Catalina, she actually has a few different questions. So I'm going to let her share them now. Lords of the Akashic Records, I come to you to ask, what is the role of the storyteller or artist in this new paradigm? Thank you. The storyteller and the artist are reminding us of the nature of life. So there are so many human beings who are just living day in, day out, the same thing, not recognizing that they are actually the ones with the divine creative power that are writing the destiny of humanity. They are the artists creating. We are collectively co-creating this experience of life. So these creative beings that are like channeling forth these imagined stories and then telling them into reality. And these artists that are, you know, creating on a blank slate, this masterpiece are reminding us of the ways in which we are doing that with our lives. And many of us are looking at the world right now and we don't necessarily love what we see, what's happening within humanity, what's happening within, you know, the people in power and our governments and the environment and all of that. Yet we have the same power. We are the storytellers. We are the artists and that skill, that talent is going to be valued more and more and more and more people are going to be wanting to drop into their artistry and their creativity because that's what's going to help us create a new world. We have to get out of our intellectual mind. We have to stop seeing like we, it's like the scientific mind trains us to look at what is, mm -hmm. but then if we're continuously looking at what is, we tend to perpetuate more of what is. We almost have to forget about what is and focus on what could be and feed all of our energy towards that. Mm. 
just like the artist, just like the storyteller. They're imagining what could be. So that type of mentality has a value to it in a really grounded and real way to help us call forth the shifts that collectively we are all praying for. I love that. Boom, mic drop. All right, I think you're gonna like this next one. This one was intriguing to me. Again, from Catalina. What do we need to know about water that we have yet to uncover? Water is a being. Water, water is a being, a powerful being. And I'm just seeing the way in which water can hold these frequencies and it can hold knowledge and it can hold knowing and it can cleanse us. And it's like, the only way I can describe it is water is a being. Mm. It is a form of life and it gives us life. And the more that we understand water, the more that we understand ourselves and the way in which consciousness can create like imprints, like can create actual influence and impact on reality. And water knows this and embodies it in a really pure way Uh. because water can hold our intentions like really purely and the way water just flows. It's so good. I love water so much. I get so many ideas. I know a lot of people do in the shower or bath and yeah. it is so cleansing before I get out of the shower every day. I just clear off anything that is not mine to carry, anything lower round that I need to let go of. And I, I love looking at water as a being now. So thank you. Such a profound teacher. Oh, so profound. Yeah. Look what happened to you when you did your uh, two week water fast. You left a changed person and confident and everything. All right, this next question is from Jess. Hi, this is Jess. And my question is, I'd love to know what are some of the energetic shifts and insights we should be aware of to serve the highest good for all? Thank you. Unity consciousness. Collectively. So, so much light is streaming onto the planet at this time. And it is helping us embody, integrate, cultivate, unity consciousness. Every wounding, every trauma, every distortion that we have in our fields that is limiting our capacity to embody and live from unity consciousness is currently being healed and cleared. And that can look like us being very convinced of stories that do not support unity consciousness. So, okay, so to ground what I just saw, unity consciousness requires a lot of compassion. We have to see other people as an aspect of self. And we have to let go of these ideas that we've cultivated for a long time for very valid reasons that other people are evil. Ideas that have us feel very paranoid or mistrusting of others. And there's there's a reason why we feel these ways. Like we've had the Holocaust, for example, like world wars. We've like normalized crime, slavery, like the trail of tears. Whoa, this is all in the collective human psyche. And it's keeping us from unity consciousness. So in this shift, this is all being purged. Yep. And it's all in the psychic field. So a lot of intuitives and psychics are picking up on all of this mistrust and perhaps interpreting it as, oh, there's a reason to mistrust. And that's where a lot of the conspiracy theories are being birthed. Not to say that there isn't some sort of valid truth to them, but it's important to check with how that is helping to create greater unity consciousness. If it's not, then you know that it's inevitably going to be dismantled. We are letting go of our mistrust of each other, of our paranoia, and we are uniting as one. And that is a really 
messy and intense process. And sometimes during our healing, when wounds are triggered, we can become very convinced of their validity. Mm-hmm. We can actually convince ourselves, you know, those people cannot be trusted. They're bad. They're, they're different from me. But in unity consciousness, we recognize how everybody is far more similar to us than we've ever recognized because it's Hmm. one consciousness that flows through all. Man, I just want to piggyback one question because I, as you know, and everyone listening, I I would hope knows at this point, I mean, I am, yes, it is oneness, uh, unity consciousness all the way for me and, and my path and teachings as well. So is there something that, I mean, everything's in divine timing, right? But is there a certain practice? Like, is there something that if we recommended people do this practice, it would help us to facilitate their ability to, in a greater way, embody and hold the space of unity consciousness, which in turn would help the entire world be in that space? So there's a concept in yoga of the drishti. It's it's where you focus your gaze Allow your drishti to be love and everything that comes with it, which is trust, open-heartedness, and then begin to recognize when something other than that is arising. It can be very tempting in those moments to believe that it is valid, it is true, it is real. And while yes, it is from one perspective, from another perspective, it is a wound that has been triggered and through its triggering has the opportunity to heal. It heals through the light of your awareness as you gaze upon it and at the same time embrace this other perspective, this commitment, devotion to love. You start to recognize the fallacies within mistrust, within blame, shame, within I now need to close my heart. And little by little, we start to peel away these layers around the heart. Okay. And knowing that it's a collective endeavor, like we all have to do our part. Yeah, we do. Okay, just a couple of more. This next question is from Marissa. Hi, it's Marissa. And my question for the records is, what blocks do I have that are preventing me from flourishing? The first thing that I heard was worthiness and this unconscious belief of feeling like in order to be worthy of this or in order to deserve this, then I need to do or I need to be X, Y, Z. And the most supportive shift is allowing yourself to feel like you are inherently worthy. You are inherently deserving, not from an entitled space, but just from a divine space of that's simply how it is. And then letting go of any need for anything to be different in order for you to be more inherently lovable or inherently perfect. It's like letting go of this like striving or this reaching or need for change or need for growth or need to be better and relaxing into the perfection and wholeness of how you are because that is the most empowering and solid foundation for your growth, for your improvement, instead of thinking that you need the growth and improvement. Mm, Amen. Love that. Okay. Our last two, this one is from the Luminous Tribe. And it's a similar question. They want to know, what is my soul mission and what's blocking it? Heard something really simple. To light up the world and there's nothing blocking it. It's that the ego has come up with these ideas that you should be further ahead or that you should be doing more than you are. Yet you are exactly where you are meant to be. and the real block is actually 
judging yourself for where you are instead of celebrating, appreciating, and fully receiving yourself for where you are. Mm, that's beautiful. Love that. And our last question comes from Jody. Hello. What I'm curious to know about is what is all this Alba energy my guides keep talking to me about? I felt it as this ancient feminine wisdom. And it's both ancient and like extraterrestrial and somewhat future. Mm. So coming from various different places that when you open to channel and receive it, will bring a lot of ease and grace to your life and help align you with your sacred calling. Is she supposed to, yeah, just like open herself up to it more and invite it in and invite it, invite its teachings or how, what should she do to work with it more? What I heard was keep listening. Okay. Just keep listening and prioritize time in meditation. Like the same way I'm just taking a moment to drop in and receive, doing that consistently. Beautiful. Oh, that was so fun. Thank you so much for being so generous to be here, first of all, but second of all, to connect, tap in, get into the place that you need to get into, to access the records and so generously share what the uh, information held in them was for myself and the listeners. So thank you so much for doing that. I love doing this. It's my all-time favorite thing in the world to do. Okay, good. That makes me so happy to hear. And I mean, honestly, I felt like that was very ceremonial. As you know, at the end of each episode, every guest I have on, it's you know, a sharing of some sort of immersion for our beautiful listeners, whether it's a ritual, song, drumming, prayer, whatever it is. So I don't know. I'll let you make the call if there is any sort of additional thing that you feel called to to share that you think would be of service. I am all game for that. Or if you feel like you opening the records and providing those readings was a ceremony experience, that could be great too. I'm going to drop in and see if there's anything that wants to come through. Great. So what's coming through is a very simple invitation to each and every one of you hearing these words right now. To explore what it may be like for you to take a seat, to drop everything, empty your mind, Open your heart and ask to connect with divine insight, your higher self. Allow your consciousness to expand and allow yourself to merge with more of you. Embracing and acknowledging your divine power. And letting this channel guide you, heal you, empower you, and protect you.
Thank you. Mm. I could sit there all day in that. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Oh, gosh. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. You're so welcome. So glad this worked out. You know, I got the download right away. I was like, oh, I need to have Daniela on. And as much as possible, I really prefer to do, you know, the in-person, just, yeah. you know, you disconnect more. So I'm so glad it just randomly <laughs> happened to work out. Like we both are back in LA for this tiny little window of like a day or two. <laughs> and so I'm so glad that we both made an effort to carve out this space to make this happen. It means a lot. And mm. thank you for your guidance on when I should officially birth this beautiful Ceremony Circle podcast project out into the world. And just for being you, your, you know, your purity and, you know, you walk the talk and really do the work and you do it in such a just such a clear and loving and, and willing to always learn and grow way, which I always love. So mm -hmm. thank you for who you are and how you do who you are. <laughs> thank you, love. I have loved knowing you. Yeah, we have fun. Any last little nugget for the folks? Anything else Ooh. from even from just from you? Not I love you guys. Yay. <laughs> I love you too. All right, everyone. Thank you once again for sharing this beautiful ceremony circle space. I'm just going to take a second to, with honor and reverence, seal off this beautiful particular ceremony circle that we just all co-created together bowing in reverence to all of you. Thank you for existing on this monumental time on our glorious planet Earth. Thank you for sharing space with me in this Earth walk. And I will tune in with you all in the next episode. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. 
please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.